Welcome to week two of our series, It's a Wonderful Life Christmas. We began our series by asking how you would complete the sentence, life is. And even asking how George Bailey, one of the main characters of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, might have completed the sentence. And because of God's loving action, in the midst of the challenges of our lives, we concluded that life is not always fair, but God is working to make something beautiful in the midst of our difficulty. In spite of the challenges of this life, we have received a great gift in the life that we have been given. And in God's presence and in God's grace and power, we can all brave it. Today, we have two scripture readings, one from the Hebrew scriptures in the book of Isaiah and one from the New Testament in the gospel of Matthew. But before we turn to God's word, we seek God's illuminating grace. Let us open our hearts and our minds to the Lord as we pray. Oh God, your word is more precious than fine gold and sweeter than purest honey. As we turn to your scripture, send your Holy Spirit to infuse your word with truth and grace so that the good news of your love would shine before our eyes and delight our senses and so that we cannot help but respond with wonder, hope, faith as we trust in your work in us and in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our first reading comes from Isaiah in the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 10. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall die down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play with the hole of the asp, and the wean child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. 
The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Our New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew in the third chapter, beginning at verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all of Judea were coming, going out to him and all the region around the Jordan, and they were baptized by him and in the river Jordan confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, Thomas Long introduces the main character in today's New Testament message this way. As the door to a new era swings open, John the Baptist is the ideal hinge. He is dressed like the old age, but he points to the new. His preaching style is vintage old Israel. His message paves the way for new Israel. He appears to have wandered out of some retirement home for old prophets. But he announces the arrival of the one who is even greater than the prophets. He baptizes with the water of the ancient Jordan River. He promises the coming of the one who will baptize with Holy Spirit in fire. Everything is about to change. The old is passing away. The new presses in. The long lost night of hopelessness is coming to an end. And John the Baptist is the rooster who awakens the sleeping world with dawn's excited cry. John in the desert is in the great tradition of the Hebrew prophets. His is a urgent message, yet it is also a message of hope. John is aware that the time is running short. 
while others can't. John can see that the long lost night of hopelessness is coming to an end and a new day is dawning. In his burning message, John has no time for peripheral matters, no time for idleness, no time to just chill out and chat. His call is urgent. He calls us to the wilderness in the world and in our own lives. He calls us to the wilderness because by the grace of God, amazing things can happen there. Hope is springing forth. People are coming out from Jerusalem to see him. They are intrigued by this strange phenomenon of a wild man preaching repentance. They are fascinated by his dress, camel's hair with with a belt, a leather belt around his waist. His diet, locust and wild honey. And his fierce and fiery oratory. They want to interview him and then to tell others about what they have experienced. Who are you? They ask. His answer is direct. I am not the Christ. Are you Elijah? No. Then who are you? They want to know. They may be confused about who he is, but his message is a clear message of hope and grace. Now there is a moment when the preacher longs for his or her hearers to lose sight of everything except the message. To not concentrate or listen to the accent. Don't look at the clothes. Don't comment on the style. See not the human. Just listen to the word of hope and grace that is proclaimed. John tells the gathered crowd, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming, coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but his chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now you just might be thinking, preacher, exactly where is the hope and the grace in that? Preacher, isn't old John speaking of repentance and winnowing fork and an unquenchable fire? Where is the hope? Where is the grace? But John's voice, sisters and brother, crying out in the wilderness of a weary world is a booming voice, calling the people to accountability, calling the people to return to the Lord and to the hope of, 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 that is offered to all of us in God's love and grace. I believe that you have come to worship partly because, like those restless people of so long ago, you want to be held accountable. You need to be held accountable. You want a greater and more fulfilling connection with Almighty God. 
And the good news of your faith, our faith, is John's voice is calling us to accountability and connection and to a relationship with God. But it's also a loud voice of hope and a voice of grace. John proclaims the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew tells us, quoting the prophet Isaiah, that John is the one crying out into the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The prophet Isaiah first spoke these words to the the hopeless people of Israel who were struggling in captivity in Babylon. And yet Isaiah reminds these hopeless and homeless exiles that God has not abandoned them. That indeed God is preparing right now a way for them to return to Israel, to return to life, to return to their God. 700 years later, John the Baptist is speaking to that faithful remnant from Babylon who have returned to the promised land, but who have not yet returned to the vision that God had for God's people. He says to them, and yes, he says to us as well, that God is building a new highway, a new path, a new way right there in our wildernesses, preparing us for a straight path amid the crooked and confused ways of this world. In the New Testament, the word for road and the word for way are the same. Of course, we know that for us who call ourselves Christians or people of the way, that the way and the truth and the life is Jesus. The way is Jesus Christ. And what a way he is. Our Jesus is the mighty one who topples the proud and the powerful. But he's also the gentle one who cradles his lambs and tenderly carries us home. This Jesus is the angry prophet who turns over tables of greed, but he is also the Savior who unconditionally forgives the prodigal son and the prostitute daughter. This Jesus is the demanding teacher who confronts us with our hatreds and our prejudices and our racism and our greed. But he's also the healer who casts out our demons and opens our hardened hearts and feeds us with the very bread of life, who urges his followers to let their light shine by their good deeds, welcoming the stranger, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, loving their enemies, treating others as they would like to be treated. Yes, Jesus is the way, the straight and promising path through the treacheries and the disappointments of this world. 
And he reminds us that daily repentance and daily renewal and daily commitment is what this journey of faith is all about. We can't preach repentance without the hope of forgiveness. And we can't have the hope of forgiveness without understanding, at least in some part, the grace of God that offers us that forgiveness. And we can't repent or accept the forgiveness and the grace of God without acknowledging that there is something wrong that needs to be forgiven, that something is broken that needs to be fixed, that needs to be healed, that needs to be healed in us. The world needs healing. And yes, we need healing too. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul writes, the saying is sure and and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And in Romans 5, 8, Paul writes, God proves his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's great news. Sisters and brothers, it's a wonderful life that we have been given. And through Jesus Christ, we can have hope in it. And with hope, like the prophet of old, George Bailey stands up in our video today to Mr. Potter. While George is not wearing camel's hair, he is the voice of the prophet crying out in the wilderness of this world. And George tells Potter, just a minute, just a minute, now hold on, Mr. Potter. You're right when you say my father was no businessman, I know that. Why he ever started this cheap penny ante building and loan, I'll never know. But he did help a few people get out of of your slums, Mr. Potter, and what's wrong with that? Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble we're talking about, they do most of the working and pain and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die and a couple of decent rooms, and a bath. Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him, but to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. George's voice is the voice of the prophet calling for justice and equity and equality. George is starting to catch on to the purpose of this wonderful life that we've all been given. And so can we. We've all been given this great gift. Life is not only good and beautiful, but it is wonderful because of a baby whose birth we celebrate every year with lights and ornaments and music and gifts because of a baby who had no home to call his own, 
because of this child of love and grace who came to offer us forgiveness. We have a living hope that God's kingdom will be established in all of its beauty right here on earth. And in the light of God can illuminate the darkness of a a pandemic and injustice and racism and violence and war. Because of the presence of Jesus with all of humanity. Jesus is not only the hope of Christmas, he is our hope every day. He is our hope because he gave himself to you and and to me and to the whole world. A healing offering for this broken world. He came to offer us grace and hope and life abundant. Let us never forget that with Jesus it is a wonderful life. And yes, we can hope in it. And with hope, we can reach out in Christian action to all the world. Amen.